Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I had a word from the Lord on my, on my, just the day before as I was coming here, and I didn't want to cancel that, my, that the Lord was going to take my grandma. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's kind of trippy. So I was telling one of my friends, he goes, well, good, I'm flying you up there in my private plane, and then I'm flying you straight to see your grandma, because I hadn't seen her in two years due to the whole, you know, whatever they call that thing. And then while I was here, this dude rolls up. He was up at Sundance. He's been part of the film industry for a long time, a total influencer, walks up to me, and between services gives me this jacket. So I figured if I got it here, I'm going to preach in it here because I haven't preached in it. I've worn it to men's prayer. It's like a little mantle. You know what it is? And you might not know this. This is Kevin Costner's. He wore it during Yellowstone. So he got this from the Yellowstone set. He knew I was a John Dutton fan. I just bought a ranch. So I'm figuring I'm going to bring that territory taken. Don't mess with my family vibe right up to the pulpit. If that movie or show offends you, I'm sorry. We'll pray for you. But, it, but it's good. And, uh, you know, this is how I know, you know, the Bible says he cares about the one sheep and he'll leave the 99 for the one. Because uh, I wanted to preach this message. I preached at Bressy and then, and then uh, you know, I felt the Lord say, well, John Day was there. So you can't preach it. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Okay, fine. I'm going to preach my Wednesday. Well, he was there too. So both the last two sermons I wanted to preach up here, can't do it. So we got fresh wine, pretty much for the day, family. So you're welcome. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, that's how it works. Got to put the extra work in. But I do want everyone to, uh, I did this leadership thing with my, with my True North leadership. And I think it's really something that I learned in, in business about 10, 12 years ago. I hired a coach, really expensive. And this guy made me sign this thing that I wasn't going to quit on him, which I thought was weird. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to quit on you. You're like the best coach. I want to be mentored by the best. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you say that until I start correcting you. I was like, ah, oh, I'm totally coachable, you know, I'm unoffendable. And then three weeks in, I was offended, you know, and then called my dad. I'm like, dad, what do I do? And he's like, hey, you're paying for it. You're not quitting. And I go, all right. So, you know, send me a box of straws and tell me to suck it up, which I did. <laughs> but I, I just remember that I took all that coaching because I, I, I was noticing that Christians in, in the business world, I can speak into it. A lot of doctors that work for me, all have people that will fly out, they'll sit, I run a couple masterminds, and, and we're in these groups, and then they want it. They're like, tell me, I want to be successful, I want to do it. The minute you get in the Christian world, and you guys are doing like, you know, we're, we're serving, we're building the kingdom together. When I see a couple blind spots, and I come over, and hey, I just noticed a couple, you know, it's like, total offense. Everything's in a wad. I'm like, what, what's going on? Don't, I just see something, I feel like, why don't we work on it? God didn't even have to reveal this one to me. I just need to tell you. But it's amazing how then a lot of Christians get so locked up and don't want to be discipled, even though they say they do. Even though they say, oh, I'm not offended. Next thing you know, you say something like, we're out of here. Wow. Like, are we building this thing or are we not? And so what I did was I realized there is a way to have carefrontation, a kingdom way. Not confrontation, carefrontation. Matter of fact, if I didn't care about people, 
I wouldn't waste my time talking to them. But I figured they're under my leadership. They're under my kind of God's given me to shepherd them well. I want to do it well. I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and goes, hey, I brought you so-and-so, so-and-so. Look at all the potential they had. What'd you do with them? Oh, oh, you cared more about what they thought than what I thought. Oh, I put them under your leadership to develop, but you were too afraid not to develop them. So you're just sitting there going, okay, how do I win? So I took this kind of coaching. I put biblical principles on it, and I called it Kingdom Matters. And I want you all to get the notes. If you're in the business world, you have to get the notes. But if you're a connect leader or know you want to be a leader, you're going to be an influencer for the kingdom of heaven, meaning any of you that want to be an influence in any way to take territory or dominion, you want these notes. So you type 55525. It's free. No strings attached. Called Kingdom Matters. It's going to go behind the why behind correction, how you know you're in the right place, how to speak into people's lives, how to know if your heart's right before you do it, how to make sure your language is right, your timing is right, and all the biblical teaching to back it all up. And if I can get our whole church picking up what God's trying to put down, we will have the most accelerated leadership church you've ever seen in your life. We're we're called to raise and release. But if we're a bunch of fragile, non-discipled people, then guess what? We're not going to be effective for the kingdom. We need a strong church. I need us to be water off a duck's back. Like, oh, yeah, last week, Dr. Matt told me this. This week, I'm thriving. You know what I mean? We can do that. I'm a product of people that have spoken into my life. And I always said I'm coachable until I wasn't. And then, but I had enough guts to say, you know what? I'm not leaving that church. Been here 15 years. Dude, I love it. I just want to know. Why I have no translators in the biggest campus, and you have translation up here for all my, my Brazilians. Man, I'm going to have to learn Portuguese. But I feel bad. I have about 60 Brazilians at my campus, and I don't have translators, and you got them. Favor of the Lord is upon you. Wow. I need to prophesy about that some more. So listen, so then um, last week I preached a message on uh, civil discourse. And that's how Jesus handled, handled when, if he had an Instagram and he had a hater on Instagram, how he would not engage in the way maybe I engage. So the Lord was doing a little correction on my uh, feistiness on Instagram. So I, I've decided that I will engage in a loving way privately with all my haters on IG. And it was amazing. I've been in 10 conversations. Uh, two or three are completely off the rails. But two of them, I'm having this great dialogue. Like it's intellectually, I mean, I have to pray for myself every time. But it's like this intellectual, it's civil discourse. And Jesus was showing me that when he met the woman at the well, knowing she was in, she was in sin, he called out the sin. He didn't back down. He called it out. He loved her, exposed truth to her, said, I know who you are, showed her identity, and then said, go, send no more. I know you don't have a husband. You got five. So I want to I tell you that to see how he handled sin, he didn't come at her hard. He came at her and loved her. I'm like, okay, that's good. And then he showed me the woman that was about to be stoned because of adultery. And then he just got down. He didn't sit there and argue. They were trying to put him in the corner. He just got down, did some stuff in the dirt. And one by one, they dropped their rocks. And they all walked away. How cool and collective was he? 
Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was right there. Peter loses his mind, cuts off the ear of one of his haters. You know, that'd be like an IG or Facebook just totally yelling at you, calling you names. Peter lost his ish. Whoa, chopped in. Jesus like, calm down, Peter. Put the ear back on. There you go, buddy. That Roman soldier didn't even give his life to you. I'd be like, dude, if my ear was gone and now it's reattached, I'd be like, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? I, let, me, let me carry your... I mean, I've fallen wherever. That's straight power. But I look at how Jesus cool he was, even when he sold out by one of his disciples. He still didn't lose it. I'm thinking to myself, how do I act when... And it's amazing. And, and, and then one of my favorites was the rich young ruler came to Jesus. How many times do we get in arguments with our friends? We're trying to talk about our faith, trying to like sell Jesus. But here, this rich guy goes, hey, what do I do to the kingdom of life? And he goes, sell everything and follow me. And then Jesus let him walk away sad. He didn't chase him and go, no, no, you need me. What are you doing? You need me. Bro, don't make it. No, he says, all right, I'll be right here. We don't have to sell Jesus. We don't got to chase people down, throw Bibles at them, beat them. All we have to do is live a life. And I'm, I'm preaching on today, how do we do that? Civil discourse is how do I sit down to dinner with somebody that totally I disagree with maybe on the other side of politics and still respect them enough as a human being not to want to punch them in the face? How do we do that? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. So listen, today because of those revelations, I really feel like how funny God loves you guys is my, my three last teachings and on Wednesday night I preached on joy. I mean, I preached, I preached on peace, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I thought it was joy, Lord. I thought it was joy. No, no, no. I'm the prince of peace. You can't have joy without peace. You can't have hope without peace. You can't have love without peace. I am the prince of peace. So I had this whole revelation, but then God said, Salt Lake City, you're preaching on identity. Because it, until they know who I am and know whose they are, all those things are irrelevant for them to step into their calling of what I want to do in, that, in their life, in their community's life, in their city's life, in their family's life. And then it was amazing. I, uh, when I got that revelation, I literally got it on Thursday. Like, oh, I just preached on peace, Lord. That would be perfect. But then John Day was there. <laughs> so I want to read Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Not says the Lord, declares. He's declaring something over your life. Plans to prosper you. Someone say the word prosper. prosper. Oh, I, whoa, whoa. Nine o'clock, I was nervous. They had a word, problem with the word prosper. All the successful people come to the 11. What are we going to do about that? Man. It's amazing. I'm reading the word of God. Don't let prosper ruffle you. We're called to prosper. Because the Lord's got some plans for your life. And if we get in alignment with those plans, how many know we're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory to accelerate every area of your life? Not just for you, but for people in your world. We've got to prosper. You are not, listen, to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, a hope and a Come on, God knows your future before you do. He directs your steps into that future. I was watching on the way up here. I was like, all right, Lord, what are you speaking? You're going to speak on identity. Okay, give me a revelation on it. Well, guess what? I'm watching the plane. I watched the first 10 minutes, and then I made everyone staying with us last night watch King Richard. How many have seen King Richard? Okay, five hands. Let me tell you. Well, four, not including my wife. So 
I, I really want to tell you real quickly, I need you to understand King Richard. He had a plan for his five girls. He had a very specific plan for two of them. He dedicated his entire life to that plan. He knew his identity because of where he was raised. He was beat. There was bigotry. There was racism. There was a lot of things that forged something on the inside. He says, I want none of this for my girls. He, he found himself raising his five kids in Compton, in the ghetto. He was shot at. He was beat, but he had a plan. Kept telling his wife, I got a plan. We're going to raise champions. I got a plan. They're not going to be lost to the streets. I got a plan. They're not going to be up in gangs. I got a plan. They're not going to be lost to drugs. They are going to be developed, and I'm raising champions. I'm raising champions. I'm like, man, who is this guy? He loved Jesus, but he said, I got a plan, and he worked that plan. Venus Williams, seven times Grand Slam title holder, 23 times with Serena, 73 titles. Venus today is worth 95 million. Serena, the number one paid female in the world of sports, 225 million net value right now. Let me tell you something about those two William girls. Their daddy had a plan. He stuck to the plan. He was disciplined. He did whatever it took. He sacrificed. I'm thinking to myself, here's a guy that wanted so bad to give a different way of life for his kids. He sacrificed everything. He trained. He worked. He went and watched instructional videos. He's the one that raised those girls. He didn't know a lick about tennis before he saw this tennis game, and he found out they made $40,000. He goes, I make fifty-two dollars a year, and I work my life off, and I'm no better. He goes, I got to give my girls a chance. They made $40,000 in four days. So he started getting instructional videos. This is before... YouTube, before Google, this is called VHS, studying all night at work, at home. And then he trained during the day, his wife had two jobs. But that story, King Richards, is the true story about the Williams sisters and what they had to do to overcome adversity in their life. And he said this one thing, he goes, someone said, oh, they're just two little black girls from the Compton, from the hood. And he goes, that's not who they are. Oh, I get choked up. He goes, they're champions. And don't look at them any other way. They're champions. And he would not put them in. They put them in juniors. He pulled them from juniors. He goes, I'm not going to let the world raise my kids. I'm going to raise them. They're going to know who they are. They're going to define their identity, not the world. And I'm thinking to myself, here's this guy preaching Bible about identity, and I'm not going to let the world define my kids. How many Christians are just doing what they do, but they know who their king is, yet we can get lost our identity along the way, and we got to find our way back to true north, to our true identity in Jesus Christ. And how are we going to do that? Well, the title of my message is Identity Crisis. So I want to read with you out of the book of Luke, Luke 15. So if you guys all turn to your iPad, or I mean your Bible, to Luke 15, and I want to do the uh, parable of the lost son. I'm going to show you what it takes to get back, and then we're going to go through three quick points on finding your identity and the why behind it, what's important, and how we do it. You guys with me? We're going to drink out of a fire hose really quick. But to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Somebody say two. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. Jesus gives you free will. If you want to go do whatever you want, he's going to let you do it. If you want to play it safe, he's going to let you play it safe. If you want to squander, he's going to let you squander it. When you want to do it your way, you can do it your way. Or you can learn your identity, have self-leadership, put guardrails up, and do it his way, and watch your, 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 your entire being 
be blessed when you know your identity. That's why it's so important. I lived 30 years as a Christian one way. And then I had a revelation and I met a pastor that showed me a different way. And I found my identity. And it's been the most radical journey of my life, of my family's life. I don't just say, oh, I'm joyful. You could talk to my wife. I wake up pretty joyful, almost to the point of annoyance. <laughs> so if I tone it down and people are like, it's true. I have to tone it down for my wife, but let me finish. A few, few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, every hired servant has food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger." I will go home. He had a revelation. Man, what am I doing? So he said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be calling your son. Please take me in as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. That means daddy was waiting. Daddy always believed my son's coming home. My daughter's coming home, but filled with love and compassion. Someone say love and compassion. compassion. He ran towards his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That's the image of our father when we return back to him. No matter how far off, no matter what decisions you've made, the minute you just say repent, it means I'm just going to turn away from that life. You start pursuing what Jesus has for man. He's right there. Open arms with love and compassion. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring my finest robe in this house and put it on him. Robe is authority. Putting back on some authority. That ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Know who you are. A king always had a signet ring. They stamped the wax. That was their signature. You're all called to be kings or priests, men and women. You're a king and priest over your own home. In the marketplace, there's lots of different things. God's given many parts of ministry to every one of us. You might be a king, a priest, a teacher, whatever it may be. We got to find your lane, get into alignment, and let heaven open over your life. I'm going to tell you something. I love this. Get him his ring for a finger, his sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening meaning he saved the best for his son. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party rule number two begin. I'm gonna tell you that see a lot of churches, a lot of Christians forgot that part. Let the party begin. Some of you say, oh, I got joy, but your face doesn't say so. We got to remind our face, like we, we represent the king. If you say, I, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, then do we have joy? Because my question is, if you look like a broke, upset, angry Christian, please don't tell anyone you are one. I'm, I'm telling you. Don't let that offend you. Scott's getting nervous for me. Don't get, don't get nervous for me. 
I knew because I was raised that type of Christian. Because I knew that Jesus, I said, man, I grew up in the church. I know I gave my life to Jesus as a young age, but you know what I realized? It was an insurance policy for heaven. I was raised like, hey, this is what we do. Jesus, like the eternity's a long time. And as a young kid, I'm like, man, eternity's a long time. I do not want the smoking session. I want non-smoking. <laughs> those of you who didn't get that, there is a heaven and hell. But I just said, okay, that's a long time. I need to do the right thing. I'm no idiot. I need life insurance. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive. And then I'm going to tell you something. I had one foot in the world over, and one foot over here. Like I was sinning, but I was repenting because I knew, I'm like, what am I doing? So I lived in this constant terror from the enemy that I was never good enough. I didn't know my identity. Oh, you're a failure. You'll never break that addiction. Oh, you'll never overcome this. Oh, you're always going to be broke. Oh, you're always going to be. I was defined by the enemy, not by what the word of God says about me, not what Jesus sees me as. So I didn't understand him as my Lord, only as my Savior. Lordship is a whole nother thing. And see, if the Christian church would understand our identity in Christ, we would walk around with a little Godfidence, which is confidence with God at the front of it, just to help some of us out. And, that, and I'm saying a chip on your shoulder, but you got to know when you walk in, things are a little bit different when you know who your daddy is. When you know your real identity, there's things that I know people have to get out of my way. I'll prophesy. When people tell me, like just recently, I got my dream house. I was told that there's no way I could get it. So I just didn't listen to him. Because when my daddy said I could have it, everything came into alignment with that. 23 confirmed miracles. I had the title company. I had my banker saying, I need to get back to church. He was so messed up. He goes, I'm sorry I doubted you. I've just never seen this in my whole life. And let me tell you something. Back in 2012 was my first dream house. So I grew up condo, broke, had debt, everything. And then I started getting my life into alignment with kingdom principles. And then God started to reveal truths to me, showing me where I was you know, out of alignment with his will. So I started getting into his will, started hearing him better, started making better decisions, started taking decisions to my pastor, started leading me, started listening to him, started doing things the right way. I started to know my identity. I started to flex my identity on the enemy. I started taking territory. I started laying hands on people and they were getting healed. I started praying for people to walk into situations where it looked like it wasn't gonna happen. I started watching my friends get victory. I started a prayer meeting to five guys in my house that there's over 600 in our church now. It's, it's 300 at my, 297 last Tuesday at my campus. It's like, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Guys walking in with God stories are so radical. I'm like, oh, okay. I teach my men every time you hear a God story and you want that, then you reach up into heaven and you say like this, amen. Amen. Then I'll, I'll see the guys like this. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, good. You'll stay broke. It's no big deal. Because you don't want to, oh, I don't want to look bad. Oh, I don't want to be let down. Well, get over yourself. Get over your ego. Know your identity in Christ. You pull that miracle down. You want victory? You pull it down. You want a great marriage? Someone just gave a testimony. You want a great marriage? You pull that. I want that. Lord, if you did it for him, do it for me. You pull that miracle down. I got guys now that just stand up and rip them out of heaven. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be their name. That kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you going to be the bring it to earth as it is in heaven? Sometimes you got to stand up and declare a thing. Sometimes you got to quit worrying what other people think about you, what your good Christianese, the way you grew up. 
I grew up good little Christianese boy. My mom and dad, I respect them. I love them. Great Christian loving. They took no authority. So we go to places, and this is our good Christian family. This is my boy, straight A student. This is my other one, Val Victorian. He's actually the white sheep. That's my black sheep, but that's okay. That was me. My brother's probably never sinned in his life. I possibly. And when I think of Jesus, I think my brother's right under him. That's how he's in the Navy. I just think like, oh, I need to pray to Jesus, not my brother. Jesus. But my brother, man, I've never, I've never, I don't even know if he's cursed. It's annoying. Because I grew up in a transactional church, not a relational church. Transactional. We go to church. We do the duty of church. We all did that with tithe. I didn't really understand tithing really. I just obedience kind of thing. My parents tithe. I think we should probably tithe. But, you know, it's tight this month. Maybe we won't. No, I didn't understand. It was all transactional. I go to church, right thing to do, good Christian family. 32 years that my parents were divorced. Devil came in and ransacked my family. Both loved Jesus, but no authority. Didn't know how to take authority. See, this is a relational church. This is the discipleship church. This is a church we're going to speak into your life. Listen, there's transactional churches all over. This is a relational church. What I realized is, is that I went and I I realized, whoa, 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 who's this pastor? I I don't know my identity. And then God revealed three things to me I want to give them to you real quick. Number one, these three pillars, because I want you to understand, we don't raise followers in this house, we raise leaders. You are called to lead your family. You're called to lead your community. You're called to lead the marketplace. You're called, you all have a ministry, and we are called to lead. We don't need a bunch of followers. We follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. We're all following Jesus, but we're producing leaders in this house. That's good discipleship. That's why we have connect groups. That's why we have DNA. That's why we have all the tools we've had. And I'm going to tell you that I've watched people, the formula's working, because I've watched people that were broke that come back to life, that people that were sick and now are healthy, marriages that were on the brinks, divorced people's on a table that have had them torn up, ripped up, and now have their family more united and prospering than ever. Kids that were off the rails that are back. I grew up going, the worst day of my life is Sundays. You know what my kids say? Dad, when is it Sunday? Who does that? I don't have them brainwashed. I have them brain cleaned. The world is going to smear our kids. The world is going to, so yeah, we got to get them, we got to help their brains. Wash them up for kingdom. There is a kingdom way of doing things. And that's what the word is saying. The three pillars of identity are this. Number one, relationship. Number two, responsibility. Number three, representation. The three R's. Relationships, responsibility, representation. What do I mean by relationship. Focus on a mission. God's given you a mission. Our job is to help you in that relationship to the Father. So how do we view God? This is the work that I need you to do after Sunday's over. Go out to coffee with someone. Go out to lunch with someone. Go out to dinner with somebody. And this is the questions I really, or with your spouse, say, hey, how do we view God? What's our relationship with our Father? There's a God that loves you. That no matter how far away from me, what, what happened was we're all going to come back on some level. But he is running towards his open arms with love. Do you see him that way? Because let me tell you, your view of God matters. The second part of that question, how do you think God views you? How do you think God views you? How do you view God and how do you think he views you? And then no matter what you believe, I want you to know that this is a topic of discussion. You need to go do a Bible search. 
Because God talks about it how he sees you. He sees you just like that parable of the lost son, waiting for you just to come back and say, I'm all in. This is your buffet. This is your coat. This is your signet ring. These are your sandals. I've I've, I've called you, every one of you, to be my sons and daughters, to have authority in this life, to take dominion, to take territory, to take ground, to be a lord over your own land, not somebody else's. You've got to believe again that you can own a house, that you can own property, that you could have, business, you could have dreams again. doesn't matter your age. You're called to rule and reign in this life and how you want to take authority. Just what I love about that movie, King Richard, this guy just said, no, I'm, I'm never going back to that life. And I never, he said, nobody respected Richard Williams. But everyone's going to respect you five. They might not have respected me, but they're all going to respect you. When you know your true identity in Christ, you're going to understand this relationship. God wants a relationship to you, and he wants you to have a relationship to the kingdom. Get in right relationship. See, there's a soil of the kingdom, and you are the seed of possibility. And if you want to plant in the kingdom, you're going to reap a harvest. And if you don't, God's going to respect it because he gave every one of you a seed. Every one of you are a seed. You're all that potential. I preached about it in the first service. I don't want to get into it, but they pulled the mummy up out of the ground. If you didn't know this, they found an excavation in Egypt. They were doing some dig and they found a mummy. As they were going through doing the cadaver on the mummy, they're going, wow, this mummy's over 5,000 years old. And they found this little seed in the throat that never made it down and got digested. They pulled that seed out and they found out it's a rare wheat that's been extinct for 2,000 years. So they said, oh, what the heck? They planted it, created a harvest. Now they sit there, they're reproducing that harvest. You can get this wheat. People that are gluten intolerant can eat it. It's crazy. It's an ancient seed of wheat that was stuck, buried forever, but it was never hit the soil. So that possibility still was in there. They planted it, and it's reaping a harvest today. And you can get online and study it. They're doing research about it. It's amazing. But we could be that same thing. It doesn't matter. But if you can get planted, if you can get in the soil, even if you feel like you're in the dark, guess what? That's where seeds go for a season. You could stay in that soil long enough. Guess what? You will reap. And that, and that fruit isn't just for you. Those are for the people around you that need to find joy, that need to find hope. But if you don't find hope or joy first, why would they want what you got? You know, our church would be overflowing if we got this part right. If we got the relationship with our father right, knowing our identity and who we are, people would want what you have. I don't need to chase people and throw Bibles at them. I have people come out of the woods, hit me on IG, they hit me up on this. They see my life in business. They see my life flourishing. They see my restaurant. They see, it's, it's a joke, my VRBO. I can buy one next door to my best friend. He doesn't go to church, I do. He's not a tither, I am. Mine's booked all the time, his isn't. My revenue's 30, 60 X over his, and we own homes in the same place. Ours here is even next to each other. How come mine? It's a favor of the Lord. It's an open heaven over your life. If you need that, you just got to know whose you are. Know your authority. Responsibility, focus on order. There is a kingdom order. We have to take our own responsibility. See, God has given us an assignment. Love God, love people. That's the cross. Vertical, love God. Horizontal, love people. That's it. It's not too confusing. God gives us a job. He's given us territory. Do the job. In order to be a good father and a mother, we got to first be a good son or daughter. 
So see, whatever God designs is for our success. So he gave us principles. The why, we always teach around money here because the enemy uses money to get people so off focus, off purpose, and bound and tied up. But the Bible talks over 2,000 verses on it. More than anything else, Jesus was talking about money. It was amazing. Like, I went through my own season. A great book is Millionaire in the Pew. A missionary for 25 years. Got left a company by his father-in-law. Didn't know why. Almost ran it into the ground. And God said, what are you doing? You've got to fix your broke mentality. So he just went through the Bible and started studying everything out of the Bible. Now he's one of the greatest, strongest millionaires. Wrote the book Millionaire of the Pew. Did more in five years with his own money than 25 years as a missionary begging for money. Created a revival all over the Philippines because of one man. He just passed away. That one man left it to his, his, a lot of churches. His wife has taken that mantle. He also wrote a book, Pathfinders. He handed me the book 12 years ago, and he says, hey, I want you to have this book when I met him. And I said, oh, man, I don't have the bandwidth, but this book is amazing. So I passed it over to Pastor John, who created Pathfinders, and now look what's happened at this church. From one book, from a legacy of one man that was a missionary for 25 years, that got a kingdom purpose, broke off poverty mentality around thinking to play small was righteous and he flipped the world upside down he's still leaving an impact today that's responsibility we all have one last one is representation we got to focus on healing you've all been given that signet ring but if you're unwilling to go after your healing there's only so much god can do in your life none of us have arrived representation Two things in this house. It's culture. We're a culture of honor. We're going to cover you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe in you. We're going to speak life into you. The world is not a culture of honor. It's tear down. It's expose. Many of us, I was hurt in church. I said, I'm not going back. Then I met Pastor Jurgen. And that did a lot of things for my soul. It healed me up. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But Ephesians 6, 2 through 4, honor your father and mother. It's the first command with the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So when we honor, you will be blessed. It's the only commandment with the blessing. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admiration of the Lord. See, I didn't like Christians, and I definitely didn't like pastors growing up. I know it's funny. I am one now. I still don't know if I like myself. I'm just sorry. No, but every day I have that thing. Would I, would I, would I want to follow someone like my leadership? And I realized that I was judged more than I was anything, but no one ever asked me what I was walking through. And then I met Pastor Jurgen. We had a lunch together and he had me realize what was possible for the first time in my life. He showed me possibility like that seed. I see something on the inside of you. He then created space for me to heal. I didn't trust pastors. Definitely didn't trust Christians, but guess what? He created space for me to get healing and I got healed in the house of God. First of all, I started to believe in myself again. That was the possibility that things were possible, that God did have a plan for my life, that he wanted me to prosper, that he wanted me to be in good health, that he wanted me to do these things. I didn't have to go travel down, you know, personal development. I didn't need to watch The Secret 552 times. Not that I did that, but I counted a lot. I didn't need to do those things. Those were false things, but I was trying to find something. But as soon as I found my identity in Jesus, 
and that Jesus wasn't judging me, but he was running towards me and hugging me. I cried the first six months in church. That was God healing up my soul that was broken, that I had heart that was broken. So I wanted to do things. I wanted to love Jesus. I just didn't want to be in the Jesus box of this Christianity, whatever this was. Couldn't I love Jesus and love people? I'm not afraid to get dirty, go out in the world. I'll pull him back in. I'll get washed up. I'll repent if I need to. We're all going to fall short. We all sin. It was amazing that I got to see a pastor that loved me, showed me possibility. I got healed in the house. He then goes, by the way, you're going to thrive. And this what? I started thriving in the house. And then I started leading in the house. And I realized that that same fivefold ministry is for each and every one of us when we realize our identity in Christ. So I realized that no one is responsible for my healing journey but me. Nobody. I'll say it again. No one is responsible for your healing journey but you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You have what you've built or you have what you've permitted. But how many know there's another way? It's the kingdom way. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. I didn't want what I built. I wanted to brag on my kingdom because guess what? There's no way I could get my house. So it's so easy for people to come over and they just freak their mind out. And I just say, well, I'm not smart enough to make this happen. God showed me in 2012 when I walked into that first house of mine, that's I built faith. I read every book on faith. I got Pastor Phil Pringle on faith. I studied Pastor Jurgen on faith. I got around anybody that was speaking faith and teaching Bible on faith. All I read was faith and I built this faith muscle and I got my first like incredible house. And we did ministry, ministry, ministry. People got married there. We got restoration of vows. I mean, we, everything. Baby showers, anything for the kingdom we could do to bless it. We did it in that house because I know God gave me that house to use it for his kingdom. And we didn't hold back. This house, Holy Spirit said, I gave you the faith for it, but now you got to develop a new, a new muscle. You can't see him with the jacket on, but I got to. This was my faith one. This was my spiritual warfare one. And I started going into warfare for this house because I already had the faith for it. It was so ridiculous. I had that faith for it. But then he taught me how to warfare for it. And because I've done stuff in faith and war, God said, I'm training up your hands. Now you're going to train up others to find their identity so then you could add them to the Lord's army. When you're part of the Lord's army, you're going to see your life flourish. You're going to see you stepping into things. You're not going to listen to what the world says. See what I love about that King Richard movie? He had all these people that had intention for his girls, but he said, no, he slowed down the progress because he knew he was raising up human beings first. I want them to have integrity, character, four languages, education. I want them to be at the top of their class. I want them to do radical things for the community. I don't want them to be superstars and fold under the pressure. I want them to know how to honor money, respect money, do things, help people, advance this forward. So I'm going to slow down the paycheck. Nike offered her $3 million, then $5 million. She said no. She waited another year of development. And then guess what? She signed with Reebok for $12 million as a 15-year-old that understood stewardship of money and took care of her whole family. It was amazing. What are we doing kingdom? Who are we letting speak into our life? Who are we letting the walls down to say, man, my, my marriage needs prayer. 
hey, my parenting, my kids are off the rail. I, someone needs to show me another way. What, what is it for you? Maybe it's better relationships. See, I was told in my own industry, there was no honor. And they said, I told them one day at the revelation, I'm never missing church again. But I was an MC, I was a speaker, I was flown around the world. Pay me chump change or pay me at all, but it was more like the feed and the ego and God showed me, do you need your ego fed that bad or do you want to come build my house? So one of my mentors said, hey, you know you're shooting yourself in the foot, you'll never be asked to speak again. I said, that's okay. I said, I'm gonna build the house of God. And they go, oh yeah, we'll see how this goes. Guess what? Now I'm on every platform. I'm asked to be the MC. They pay me well. I honor them well. I brought honor back to my profession when there was no honor. And they all talk about it. They want to get me on a podcast. They want to ask me this. They also, I pray for them all. That's what I'm doing. But it's because I was willing to lay down and get out of the way what the world said was best for my career, what the world said was best for my future, what the world said was this. I decided, no, I want, I want God's best because I found my identity and I'm never going back to that junk. I want to be who I am on Sunday, who I am on Monday, who I am on Tuesday, who I am on Wednesday. I'm not going to play Christianese. I just am a Christian that loves Jesus. And that can ruffle Christianity sometimes. They don't know what to do with success. I just had a preacher in San Diego spend 20 minutes of his 27-minute sermon on the pastor down the street driving a Maserati. I'm thinking to myself, the church doesn't pay for any of that. Matter of fact, let me come help you out. Because the only reason I knew that is because three people left the church and came to my church. Because of his message. That was all about dishonor. And so I know he can't live under honor like that. I work hard. I line up all biblical principles so God can advance the kingdom so I could use it. I always tell people when they want to get a Judas spirit on them, because that's what it is. People that think like that, it's a Judas spirit. We're under spiritual warfare, so you got to understand. People don't want to call that out. That's a Judas spirit. I don't even fall in alignment with it. I don't even agree with it. I just said, that i got to pray for you. But here's why. Someone said to me, you know, Dr. Matt, money can't buy happiness. And I 100% agree it can. But broke can't buy anything. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to see Christians own the most land, have the most territory, advance. I want to see them in seats of politics. I want to see them in entertainment. I want to see them. The greatest financial advisors are believers that love Jesus, put Jesus first. I want to see business owners. I own restaurants. I want to see every one of your businesses flourishing because guess what? You can hire a lot of people and bless a lot of families. God's giving you authority if we can trust him. Someone brought up Mother Teresa to me recently. She had nothing, but look what she did for the kingdom. And I said, I know, she was amazing. She flew around on private jets, and who do you think paid for those? Every one of you have a calling on your life. I'm not saying it has to be in, in, in money. We need the greatest teachers in the world that are righteous. We need the greatest politicians. I need the greatest business owners. I need the greatest pastors. I need the greatest worship leaders. That young lady that was worshiping this morning, 18 years old, and her mom was right here. That is the greatest kingdom. Like, you know the Father is running towards them. Let me tell you, some of the greatest worshipers are in this house, but they're not yet developed. Can we be developed? I land with this. I'm just going to pray for you. So stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. The number one goal, why I'm here today is tell you, 
The number one goal for every one of us, get into alignment with God. Don't let the enemy take you out in a fence, take you out without being discipled. Look for the fruit. Test the fruit. I I love it when people come to church because they want to be just fed the word. We're a word church, but you know what? We're not baby Christians. We need to feed ourselves. That's why we've got our Bible. It's the read your Bible in a year. We should all be going through it together. Joshua today was on point. Let's be leading this thing together. Let's be reading the word together and then go out to coffee and talk about things that edify our spirit, that enrich our soul, that elevate. We represent our father. Our last name represents our human father, our earthly father. But as Christians, we represent our heavenly father. What are people gonna look at? Do we represent him well? Do we know our identity? What does it take? There's no shame in the game. I tell man, I want my, if I see my worship leaders jump down off and we do an altar call for healing or they need to get, and they're down there, that's my most proud moment. I don't care if I got to get on the altar. I got way more fear of the Lord than I got fear of man. I was in a worship service and I hear God told me, go get that dream car. No joke. It got confirmed. I went and got that dream car. Three years later, Holy Spirit says that dream car got you. Or am I still Lord of your life? Out of fear of the Lord, I sold that car that afternoon. I wasn't sure, but I'm going to tell you, I realized later that things started to become an idol to me. So I had some spiritual maturity I had to go on a journey with. And it's funny, I know now, because God could trust me with that, he's now entrusted me with a whole lot more. But I didn't realize I had some ego and security things that I was working on during that time. I would have never saw it. But because I was in worship, I felt like God highlighted something. I went forward to an altar and I got prayed for. In the middle of prayer, God showed me the picture of that car and says, it's becoming an idol. Do you still love me? Frank, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm telling you, we're, net, we're always gonna be new levels, new devils. Just because we think we got this thing worked out just ready, if you're gonna go take the next level, then there might be a new thing. When you're under heat, 800 something degrees, guess what? Silver comes out. You just got this pile of dirt, big rock. But when you get under enough heat, silver comes out. That same rock, that same dirt, that same thing turned up another 250 Celsius, gold comes out. The only difference, how hot can God turn up the heat in your life? I thought I worked out some stuff and then I went to a new level. We were service leading. I felt like we had to work on stuff in our marriage. And then we're like, we're good. And we became campus pastors. We're not good. <laughs> and then we're good. We're good. And it's regional pastors. And then it's executive this. And babe, she's taking over kids. Oh, it's not good. And then we're good. It's new levels, new devils. But you've got to work on yourself. And don't be afraid because God has everything for you, fighting for you. Every tool is in his word. I want to pray because our assignment is to restore people to the Father. But we got to restore ourselves first. Your first ministry is your family. Mine's my wife, then my kids, then my circles. Where are you at today? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. If you need healing, just raise your hand or you need to trust God again. If you need to really believe again. Listen, we honor God by finishing the job that God gave us to do. If you just know there's some things you got to finish. God, I thank you for every hand that's lifted. We yield to you. 
God, Lord, help us reveal parts of our identity we don't yet know yet. God, I thank you, Lord. See these hands. God, we just, we chase after you. We chase after your righteousness, not man's. We chase after fear of the Lord, not, not fear of man. God, we want to do things the way you've called us to do things. God, we want to bring joy to people's lives. God, we want to light up the world to make your name famous. God, I thank you for some of the greatest business owners stepping out in faith. I thank you for some of the greatest worship leaders, some of the great, greatest pastors, some of the greatest connect leaders. God, some of the greatest minds that are going to change the world with ideas that only they have. The richest place in the world is the graveyard where dreams died. Not let one person in this house leave from this earth to the heavenly realm with something you gave them on the inside that they were supposed to birth. God, let this Salt Lake City campus birth something so incredible this year that people aren't amazed. God, align relationships. God, bring, bring that single man, that single woman that are meant to do something together for your ministry together in this house. Let them know they don't have to go find a bar or find a club or find a thing. They can find their amazing partner right here in the house of God. Lord, I thank you for some of the greatest families being raised together, for some of the greatest businesses taking territory together, some of the greatest financial advisors coming out of this house, some of the greatest real estate agents coming out of this house. God, I thank you, Lord, that there's an anointing for this house. Lord, we are discipleable, that this is a house of transformation. We just don't say it. We live it because we follow your word. And your word has a plan and a blueprint that is a kingdom way. So today, we seek first the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.